Welcome back, everybody, to the High Note Podcast. My name is Jesse Hill. And I'm Hank Berman. And we have today a very special guest, Mr. Scott Henson. Yes, we do. Thanks for having me. This podcast is pretty much based off of everything music, local music, but also music history, music industry. We target people who just love music. We didn't want to just limit it to one thing, but we are really big on getting seasoned and experienced musicians with a lot of cool stories. The creme de la creme. Yes, that's right. Especially. And since we're kicking this podcast off, we wanted to make sure we hit some, uh, that we had some heavy hitters for us. So yes, everybody else must've been booked. (laughs) (laughs) So I know Hank knows you personally. I've heard of you many times because I mean, you're Scott and you've, you've been all over the coast. So I want to get Hank. I want you to tell me a little bit how you know Scott and a little bit where you connected with him. Well, we met, if memory serves me correct, we met through your wife, Susan Kane. Yes. Who's a a longtime friend of ours and uh, her mom and dad. And I remember I was playing somewhere and Susan said, you got to come here. Scott, and I'd heard about you before because of the band. Um, and I'll let you get into the band and the band's name and all that in a second, which is <laughs> remain nameless, which is as of this second remains nameless. Um, but anyway, so I heard you and you were exactly what she said. You were a very, very good guitar player. And then come to find out you have the same macabre sense of humor that I have. And we hit it off and same likes and dislikes, which we'll get into the like part anyway, in a bit about music and maybe touch on some other stuff, but that's how we initially met and have been, I feel, good friends ever since. Fisherman's Harbor. Yes, Fisherman's fish, yes, Fisherman's Harbor. Harbor. For those of you who don't know who fish, what Fisherman's Harbor is and was, it's, it's where the parking garage is, uh, the Hard Rock on the beach now. There's the harbor right behind it. And uh, it was a place I played on Sundays, and it was quite a popular place. And um, yes. uh, everybody would come off their boats from the islands and hoop and holler and have a good time and uh, plastic chairs uh, sometimes got <laughs> thrown in the water by some nameless musician. Um, but anyway, uh, it was a lot of fun, and boy, that was a great place to meet. Started was happening. That was a, that was a cool place. Um, and all I remember is, you know, you thought you had a hundred dollar bar tab, and you walked out, and strangely, it was only like twenty five dollars. You know, yes. <laughs> no, nobody knows where all the rest of the money went. Oh, but... I know where it went because the bartender ended up buying a forty two foot yacht. Oh, like the next year. <laughs> no, no, that's not true. Yes, it was a, uh, it was well priced. It was a, it was um, right place, right time kind of place. You know, it's the water. Mm-hmm. That's one thing that that most uh, people talk about. I think not to get sidetracked, which I often do, but uh, that we don't have more places on the water like we used to. I mean, it costs a fortune to do yeah. that now. You know, with insurance and everything else, I totally understand it. But there were so many cool places. That was one of the things that Biloxi and the Gulf Coast was was known for, was always having these cool places. You know, we got others that are coming up now. Um, but music-wise, you know, it was a lot of places that you could play at and that kind of thing. So, Scott, tell me a little bit about your story. I, I mean, tell me where you're from. I know you, you've worked the circuit many years, but I'm talking about where'd you come from, what, you get, what inspired you to become a musician. I've heard you sing, and you're an amazing singer. So uh, just, <laughs> I'm just going to throw that butter out there for you to see kind of, you know, but what I'm saying is, tell me a little bit about your story. If you want anybody who, who's never heard of you or hasn't, you know, doesn't know Scott Henson, what do they need to know? Just tell me from uh, where you're from and, and what got you inspired. I was born and grew up in Orlando, Florida, um, on the Windermere side, southwest side out toward Disney. Um, I started playing drums when I was um, in sixth grade. Uh, my parents didn't listen to any music pretty much hardly at all. There was a stereo in the house, but my dad listened to talk radio and, uh, there was, uh, my brother played and was in school band. So that kind of got me into it, I guess. But anyway, I played drums all the way through high school. I marched DCI drum and bugle corps for two years and with Suncoast Sound in the early eighties. Um, I toyed around, got interested in guitar um, from going to concerts, I think, seeing people play. Um, I got interested in playing guitar, and I got a guitar when I was probably in, like, ninth grade, but took lessons for a little while. Um, but, you know, learned basic chords, and I mean the absolute basics. I mean, I couldn't, 
I probably couldn't play a whole song top to bottom, but I could play, you know, certain chords, you know, your normal basic chords, no real scales, anything like that, pieces and parts of songs. And, um, you know, it just, the guitar set around, I didn't really do anything with it. I mean, I played, picked it up and played every now and then. Um, but, you know, I was still really a hard, you know, a serious drummer, you know, schooled. So, so other than the rudimentary things that you learned, the basic chords, you pretty much taught yourself the rest or learned from On other guitar? players? Yes. Yeah, I was, um, I, I, I was religious about, you know, going to see people. Didn't matter who they right, were, right. but you know, if you were playing covers and you were learning, the easiest way to, to figure out how to play something was watch that guy up there who already right. knew how to play it and was killing it and, and say, okay, he's playing it there on the neck and he's playing this here and he's got this and right. then I can go home and I can work that out. You know, uh, you know, I can figure it out now because I've seen somebody do it. You know, it's what, it's what YouTube is now. Right. You know, for everybody. But yeah, that, that made it easier. And then I met a guy who... It was like, it was like having Ingve for your friend, except this guy knew the guitar inside and out, could play anything, um, and he he taught me the formulas for scales. You know, take the major scale and by changing each note, what mode it becomes. Right. And, uh, and you know, and a good bit about how to use it, a decent amount. You know, um, I learned a tremendous amount from him. That 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 got me to a different spot where I could take that on my own and, and learn more and, and use that and expand upon it. And that made the, um, it made a huge stride in my playing. Um, because, uh, you know, I mean, my playing level just jumped tremendously after meeting him and hanging out with him for about a year. That's great. Yeah. I, I, I agree. Um, always play or learn from somebody better than you. Absolutely. Whether it's golf, whether it's music, whether it's, Whatever, um, but yeah, uh, Ingvi, he's talking about Malmsteen, the uh, sweet Swedish, right? Swedish, mm -hmm, yeah. Swedish guitarist, uh, who legendary guitar player. For those of you who may not know who that is, yes, often maligned. But, yes, yes, but it was earth shattering when he actually came on the uh, scene. Yes. One no, of the first, one of the first hair band guys. What was his name? Ingvi Ingve Malmsteen. Malmsteen. Wow. He, uh, yeah. he was. Uh, they used to have this. Uh, column in the back of the guitar player magazine called the spotlight column and right there'd be three dudes in there that you know they were they sent their tapes off to this guy mark varney who did these you know uh virtuoso type all uh, players and on had a little small record label they would be three guys featured in there and they would talk about how they played and you know gave you a little spotlight of them each one well ingve was in i think the very first one and he was like 19 and when they explain when they were trying to explain how he played, it didn't even make sense to me, um, you know, because they were using all these classical terms and things like that, and it just was like, I don't know what you're really talking about. I mean, then I never forget a buddy of mine went out and bought the Alcatraz record, which was the first record that he kind of played all the guitar on. Um, I think it was the second record he was ever on, but it, it was. The first solo that came on, I think we about shit ourselves. It was unbelievable. <laughs> it was like some alien had come out playing guitar. Kind of like the first time you hear you heard eruption. Right. I was gonna say when, I was gonna say Van Halen. It's when it's you, a lot like first time you heard eruption, it was like some foreign what thing had come out of alien. the sky right. and, and what what are these noises and how on the earth is he doing this? And you do you could just listen to it over and over and over again and still just like I, I don't have a clue. And there's yeah. still guys like that. I mean, there's people, newcomers as well, but a lot of guys that just play the guitar and it's like, but, well, you talked about YouTube. Instagram. Thank, thank God you, you have yeah. that so you can actually see how they're doing it. Or maybe you have to have it in your hands and your heart, but it's just amazing some of the sounds that some guys, and, they, and they're coming up with it. Nobody had done it before. Yeah. And it's like when Hendrix came on, it was like, and now a lot of people say, oh, Jimi Hendrix, so-and-so, I like Stevie Ray Vaughan better. It's like, it's Apple, you know, it's, well, and the it wouldn't have holder. been exactly. Stevie Ray Vaughan without if it hadn't been Hendrix. Hendrix. Yes, it's like the Beatles too. It's like a lot of mm -hmm. things, you know. Whether it's Ozzy or whomever, it always seems to okay. Well, um, so and so's influence was blah blah blah, and before the, and their influence was the Beatles. It's like the what is it? The three third degree of Kevin Bacon. Three yes, exactly. Or whatever that yeah. kind of thing. But yeah, but the music wise, yeah, that's that's crazy. But it's that's amazing, and that's music. That's one of the best best things in the world about music is that. Somebody always has a different perspective or something that will influence you or, or make you want to go yeah. on. And play. Hey, but back to your 
where we were going when, with your question is I started playing guitar seriously when I got out of high school in 1984. A buddy of mine who lived up the street had a little garage band and said, hey, we need a rhythm guitar player. I, I, you know, and, and he was a drummer with me, too. We would march drum corps together and stuff. And uh, so I said, um, yeah, sure. You know, I'm not doing anything, you know. And I, was, I had a drum set, and I had a guitar and an amp. And I was making a decision because I really wanted to decided that I really uh, music is worth the only thing that really ever intrigued me or that I really wanted to do. I never wanted to be a doctor. I never wanted to be an attorney, um, you know, that kind of thing. And, and so music was always the thing that I was drawn to. And when um, I started playing with him and those guys, man, learning songs and having to play songs and actually rehearsing, oh my gosh, and playing with other people, um, I got, I improved very quickly um, from what was basically a big, I mean, I was a beginner playing electric guitar with a band. I was a complete beginner. Um, but I, I improved really quickly. And I think within a year, I was in another band and we were playing clubs. That's fast. That's really fast. Because yeah, the, we, the, 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 about three or four months into me playing with that little garage band, the other guitar player quit. So now I was the only guitar player. And um, somehow or another, we lucked out and found this guy through an ad who was a bass player who is a lifelong friend of mine, Bill Gifford, an incredible bass player, incredible singer, but he also plays guitar. I mean, he's a really talented guy. And Gif was head and shoulders a better musician than me, but he helped me a lot playing in that band. When I was the only guitar player, I had to really improve and really work twice as hard because now I was playing all the parts. What kind of material were you guys doing? Uh, we played, like one of the first songs we played was Baby Lestrange by Heart. Oh, wow. Wow. Um, you know, uh, we played Were some... you doing Top 40 stuff as well, or, or no, mostly, mostly... I mean, this was really a album local garage band, you know, neighborhood band. Stuff and, you wanted to play. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I know we played some Kiss song. I couldn't tell you what it yeah. was, and... It wasn't one of the, you know, wasn't, I love, you know, I mean, wasn't one of the big hits. Um, and we played a, a couple of Journey, we played a Where Were You by Journey. Oh, wow. That was one. These are definitely album cuts. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they they like, were, you know. That's, um, one, that's one of the things that Scott and I have a, 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 a camaraderie about is that we, we like the, the, the what, what's, the, what's the show on Sirius or one of those deep cuts? Oh, deep cuts, yeah. Because yeah, that's yeah. what we like. We like the ones that aren't necessarily the most popular. Not that there's anything wrong with that because they're popular. So obviously a lot of people like them, but always those hidden gems, those yeah. ones that are like, wow, I didn't know they played that. That's awesome. Yeah, we, we played, I, I mean, I can't, I can't remember a lot of the other tunes. We had a girl singer and uh, of course, Giff was playing bass. So he sang, I didn't sing at all. Hmm. Drummer did not sing at all. And we played local parties and stuff like that. And, you know, I met some guys who my brother, my older brother, have a, my, my brother Tony's three years older than me, he had run across these guys who lived a little bit across town who had a band and they had a little warehouse and I would go out and he took me over to see them. And these guys were way head and shoulders above where my little band was. Um, you know, they had PA, they had a 40 song, you know, they knew 50 songs. They wrote originals um, and they were way more polished players, um, except for, you know, Giff was a real, really polished player. Um but they, uh, I, I would go over there and hang out with them, sit in with them, you know, play songs. We'd jam some, you know, and just hang out generally. And, and I learned a lot from those guys. And um, eventually, half of that band and half of my band became one band. And that's when we started playing clubs and stuff like that. And then from this there is, on. Is this is all? Is this, this is all in Orlando. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't move here until 1998. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So when you started playing in clubs, you you were not uh, hacking the bushes to get in there. You you fortunately for you were with people that were already seasoned, so to speak, getting into knowing how to talk to club owners and how to get gigs and yeah. how to deal with all that. I, you know, there there were you know there that was these were the days of you know the, the agencies and stuff like that. You know, and um, right there was always somebody you had in your band that had played in another band that had right. worked with the agency and knew one of the agents or a couple of the agents, and then. That gets you in, and of course, you know you're playing the the low rent clubs at first, and but you know back right. back in those days there were a thousand clubs, 
Yes. I mean, there were clubs everywhere. Yes. I don't care how small the town, there was a club, and there might be two or three clubs. And um, they had a band playing there almost every week. Yes. Or and all week, too. That was the thing. It was, it was like a five-night gig or six nights. Yes, yes. You know, it wasn't weekend gigs or one-nighters, you know. Yes. And why do you think that that has changed in the music business, the music scene? I I think there is this perceived reality, perceived notion that um, variety we're giving variety to the people or something like that. Um, I also think that most of the people who no I, I probably should not say this. Um, there there say it say there it. are there is a um, people who tend up booking musicians at band in um, clubs these days um, are not really usually know much about the music business or music in general um and it's just been thrown to them because they're the marketing person yes. or there's something else i'm not saying that that's you know across the board uh, yeah a blanket statement right right but a lot of times it you know it has fallen to people because well we can get them to do it right you right. know agreed I've, I've, that's, i have that same because I'm uh, my other half of myself, I do marketing and I see some people don't have a dedicated entertainment director. They say you're going to be in charge of entertainment, but yes. also uh, events for car giveaways and all this right. stuff. And it's yes. just right. like I, I can tell that uh, I see that definitely around the industry. Yeah, the the marketing people, um, you know, and it's 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 sad that it's that way. But, um, you know, how many times have you been double booked? I had, I probably gone yeah. my entire career, my entire life. I couldn't even tell you probably thirty something years before I ever walked, showed up to a gig, and somebody else was there. And um, you know, and then it's happened to me a handful of times, but it should really never happen. Almost. Well, I know I mean, that it should. Uh, I know that everyone's human, and yes. I know that that mistakes they're going to make mistakes. We're going to make mistakes. I mean, that's a given, just because. But um, but yeah, I I. Some people now on the other side of it are really into it and really into knowing who's playing and who, sure. who's, mm -hmm. you know, um, some of the places nowadays, I think that were amenities. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, whereas it used to be more of the draw, uh, to coming in, you know, we got Scott Henson playing at the XYZ club or whatever. And, and, uh, you know, Oh, Scott's playing over there, but, but now it's kind of become a more money seems to have changed things as well. Yeah, I, but the I mean, days you're talking about when it was like a Tuesday through Saturday gig, uh, and you and and you know booking agents and uh, and even if you weren't a part of this or didn't care for this, it's almost a stereotypical thing to say the Holiday Inn Ramada Inn thing. There was a lot of people that made their living. Off oh of man, those. playing the Holiday Inn circuit, and yeah, I, mean, I mean those in Florida that was rampant. Yeah, uh, and all there over was, the country. There were uh, there was these liquor stores, Crown Lounges. Do you remember the Crown Lounge? Yes. The Crown Lounge would uh, would have a a bar in the back, you know. That it, it was a club, but the front was like a liquor store. The side of the building was yeah. a liquor oh, wow. store. And the other in the twenties, they called that a speakeasy. Yeah. Ah, oh, okay. okay. <laughs> but I mean, it was it was like your neighborhood liquor store, but it was attached. Yes. They had the Crown Lounge too, yeah. and it was a whole a whole Dude, bar I, and lounge. I wonder if there is a like a business out there. I'm sure there is. It's like called the Crown Lounge because of that reason. It's like a bar you go to. Like that would be that would be cool. Yeah, yeah, there were there were a bunch of crowns in Florida, yeah. and I know we played. The Bradenton one, I think, in Tampa or somewhere. We played. A, we played a couple of them. That's awesome. You know, it is. It, it, but it, yeah, I, I played a. I, I was on not really on that circuit, um, but I played a few shows. There was a guy, Mike Ford, who was a booking agent up out of Cape Girardeau, and I was doing a duo with uh, this woman. Uh, well, we were kids back then, but uh, Debbie Bowie out of Jackson, really good singer, and um, they had us doing the same thing we you know and they put you in a small market to see if you were any good yeah you know after you audition for the guy and then uh, go on so i know a little bit about it but not to the extent of these guys that that was their living that that that, that what you just said there is there used to be a place where when you started out there were clubs that took in the people who were just breaking in right and you could kind of you know but even then the people were they were pretty capable of doing the gig. Yes. I have seen people on stages around here who have an iPad in front of their face and they're strumming the guitar and then they stop and then they move the no. iPad and then continue <laughs> on while they're singing. And I'm, and I don't know if they're getting paid or not, but 
um, when I see that in a club where either any one of us could be working who are people who actually earn um, a certain amount of their money or all their money from performing, these people should not be out there playing. You know, play for your, your kid's party, your friend's party. You know, I mean, if, if that's your best that you're offering to people, it, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't be there yet. I mean, and, and that may sound harsh, but I mean, that's not what uh, no, nobody, that's not what anybody's coming to see. Well, I think a lot, a lot now is uh, the technology that uh, some people, that's all they know. They don't, and, and that's unfortunate, but there's, that's not really how a polished professional musician would perform. Um, but no, yeah. I see a lot of, I see a lot of, I, I, I've seen a lot of bands and I've seen a lot of people that, you know, I hate to say back in the day, back in the day, they wouldn't have gotten a gig. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, we all pretty much use iPads because of the, I mean, like my, my whole song list and. Are you still playing the guitar through the pad too? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so, so, I mean, so it's, your, it's, it's an everything. increment. It's an, a vital part of my show yes. rather than lugging around amps and all this other stuff. It's, it's all on an iPad and it's like, I can, I can press, you know, if I want a distorted guitar or if I want to go to whatever sound I want, um, and, uh, and mix from it. So yes. that's, that's, yeah. Yeah. He, your whole show is controlled. Through the yes, it's, yes. It's not, a, uh, the K word karaoke. It's not that kind of thing, which that's is another it. thing, which is another thing, um, in talking about, um, what has happened to music and all and why it's so different than it was. You know, there wasn't karaoke back then. There wasn't other, these other things, uh, DJs. There were DJs, but they were usually, they weren't so much club DJs. They were in between the music. They were more like, a, they were a, like a disc accents. jockey, true disc yes. jockey. Yes. Not, not a, you know. The, yeah, the what dance. I remember, you know, um, before I moved here, and um, it's probably happened everywhere, but in Orlando, especially and around Florida, you went through waves where, there were a lot of rock clubs and then a lot of them would fail and then it would, it would they'd kind of lay low for a while and then all of a sudden clubs would pop up again and then they would be real happening and then they would kind of fall by the wayside again and then they would come back and, um, you know, it seems to ebb and flow like that. It used to, um, you know, around here there used to be, I couldn't tell you how many venues you could play where it'd either be a band, a solo act, a duo, whatever. Um, every casino had a, had a band right. and, and some semblance of a showroom, everyone. I mean, I, I don't think there is one that didn't. Um, and if they didn't have a full band, they had a, a, at least some solo guy somewhere in there. And I mean, that's, that was usually seven days a week when I moved here. Yeah. Wow. And even before I, my, I started playing up here in probably about, uh, mm, 94, 95, somewhere. The first time, well, you might it might be closer a little, a little older because first time I came here was not to play and they had the Isle of Capri, the Bell, and the President I think were the only three. Then when I came back to play, right. first gig I ever did was Treasure Bay. We did a week, and and this will freak people out, which people don't seem to remember this. We went on at twelve thirty and played till four a.m. My Lord, six day, six straight days. I think we had <laughs> Sunday off. Yeah. It was, or, yeah, or right. we had, or no, I think we we had Monday off. I think I can't. Yeah. It's hard for me to remember now. It was it was one or the other. Um, but yeah, and we would do that gig. They would bring us up here, and it got to the point where we were at Treasure Bay, staying in that little hotel that used to be there on the south right. side, and we would be there for like three months straight, playing that shift. Treasure Bay back wow. then, and I don't, I don't believe they have music now at all but no not the, right now the, the, nope. the, the, call it the, the the ship era so to speak yes, you know, the pirate ship the pirate ship um had a lot of people go through that place i mean talent that came went through there was just amazing There's all sorts of people played there yeah um uh i remember i think it was treasure bay people uh, uh leon russell and john mayall I believe that, or was that somewhere else? No, I th I think you're right. Um, you know, we JJ Kale, people that are yeah are uh, Sonny Turner with the platters. I saw him there. Yeah. Night. Um and uh, oh gosh, who was it? Oh, Chuck Negron from Three Dog yeah, Night played Dog there Night. a bunch. Yeah. Um and he was great. Every man, they were he was killer every time I saw him. But that was that was a in fact that some of these people, most of the of the public would see them 
say, oh, that's who you're talking about. Oh, that guy. Yeah. By name, they don't really know them. You know, I mean, John Mayall was uh, the Blues Breakers. You know, he had three guitar players in his band, the, Eric Clapton, and then he was replaced by uh, Jimmy Page. Or I might have the order wrong. No, that he, that was in uh, Yardbirds. When the Yardbirds. Did Peter Green. Peter played, Green. Peter Green played. In John that's Mayall. right. I was thinking of the Yardbirds. Well, forget what I just said. It's immaturity. It's old age. Yes, the yard. We're going to have senior moments here today. <laughs> yes, we will. Yeah. Um, so I am one of those guys out there doing um, gigs, and I've always started off with just music because I would I was ushered by my father. I don't, do you know my dad, Bill? I don't think I do know your dad. Um, Talented musician. I heard I y'all really. I, nice I, I heard y'all discussing it on the podcast, but um, you ever heard the band Coast? Yeah, but I know I, I, y'all I, came late. On I the don't believe I ever saw them. Yeah, yeah. But um, I, did they did they have a casino gig? So they played at Boomtown a lot. They played um, they played at places though that I, when I grew up they they were t- they always talked about the Driftwood, the Pines Club. Oh yeah, I, I know that was yeah, that, that they, was before they, my time. Oh yeah, they were yes. honky tonk. So it was yeah. like right when that Urban Cowboy came out right. that movie, and right. it was all country. They took it and ran with it, and that's yeah. the early nineties when they did their big thing. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I kind of wanted to do that myself, and I wanted to do rock and things like that, but my voice just fit well, you have crooning better, I guess you could absolutely. say. Absolutely. And so I always felt that guilt of like showing up with an iPad, and there's no band around me. There's no music. I can play the guitar, but there was no instrument in my hand. Um, but, uh, you know, it's one of those things I've always struggled with was like, you know, is this karaoke? Is this, you know, just a really good singer? Is this, uh, do you consider yourself a musician? So I've always struggled with that, that battle internally. If you were playing with a band, you'd be doing the exact same thing. Yes. There you go. True. Very true. true. So and, you, and you have a niche, you know, I mean, you have a, you have your spot. It fills in. But I'm sitting well. here with two, like to me, cause I'm 32, I'm 32 now, but growing up, like you hear these names, Scott, you're one of them. Hank, you're one of them. And it's like, you know, now I'm sitting out at the table and listening to talk music. And it's like, wow, just, anyways, I'm geeking out over here. Anyways, uh, but Scott. No, please go on. <laughs> <laughs> so Scott, um, continue with, so you moved here and I want to get to the point where you, like you started playing, you know, you start talking about Treasure Bay. When you, when did you start moving into more of multiple casinos or or more like when when was that surge um would you say well you you know we we started we started coming up here from orlando um the singer in the band kevin williams his family is from biloxi and um he got us you know so he had an in to get us in here and we came up and we played treasure bay and um we never got another gig after that for months we couldn't get another gig and we we found out why there were the agency that primarily booked treasure bay we did not use an agent. We booked ourselves. So we were like pirates. They hated us. They couldn't stand <laughs> right. it. And, uh, you know, we're taking money from them. And so we wouldn't sign a contract with them and we wouldn't work with them. We'd tell them, you know, we told people all the time, if you can book our band and get us the money we need, book us. But we're not going to sign some exclusive deal with you. But if you you got a gig for a, and want to hire us, that's fine. No problem. Well, they didn't want to do that. So we booked ourselves in there. And so they fought hard to keep us out. And then Kevin and I started doing a bunch of duo gigs up here. And we played, you know, Casino Magic. And there was a little lounge way in the way in the back, the old Casino Magic, which is now Margaritaville. Um, We played there as a duo. We played Casino Magic in Bay St. Louis. And one day we were playing a a duo outside of Treasure Bay for, you know, when they were having some slot thing or something we were playing there. And the sound guy, Kenny Hill, comes out there and goes, man, you guys are really good. You should play here. And we're like, well, yeah, we did. And nobody would ever hire us back. <laughs> and he's like, oh, man, let me find out. And so then they started hiring us. And we just started, we were here, we got to the point where we were here so much, you know, it was borderline, we should probably move here. And Casino Magic offered us a contract at the beginning of 1998 for the, for the year. So we packed up and we moved. And they had built this new showroom upstairs that was really big. And uh, the first weekend we played, the first night the casino ran out of beer. They didn't have enough beer. That's wow, a, that's a, oh, that's, a, that's, a, that's un, an impact. It was unbelievable. They were bringing they were bringing in beer from like the warehouse and just throwing it in the ice. Wow, because just to try and keep up. Wow, and and we packed this place and it was a big room. It really was. If you do you remember? I remember. It, it was I just this big rectangular room. And it was huge, and um, 
And then they fired us after about five months. Why? They they thought they were paying us too much money. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. That's that's. They, uh... they thought that they were paying us too much money, and hilariously, after that, they put together. I don't know if you you probably remember this. It was really brief. They put together this um, production magic show with this magician guy who was a real hack, and. Um, <laughs> The show was terrible, <laughs> and they spent all this money redoing the stage and the room and everything like for this thing. And they were trying to charge like twenty bucks, and then they were trying oh, to give no. the tickets away. And and I think I know Kevin and I think when we went when they were finally just giving the tickets away, we went and saw it. And we I mean you had to almost like laugh your way through the whole thing. But then then they canned that, and then they went right back to booking bands again. And by then we were down the road. We were playing at the President. Yeah. And I always remember somebody saying, "Nobody's going to come see you guys at the President." Yeah. Which was quite comical. Yes. Some more people than ever wow. came and saw us there. Wow. What was, what was the name of the band at the time? ISIS. Oh, it was ISIS. It was okay. ISIS, yes. I joined ISIS in like 1992 uh, in Orlando. And ISIS was a, a hair, kind of like a hair rock band. We played Queensryche and we played Journey. We played, this was the Spectrum. We played like five Queens or four Queensryche tunes and we played like five Journey tunes and we played Yes. And we played Rush, and we played Zeppelin, and we played The Cult, and we played Ozzy and the Doobie Brothers, yeah. and then we played Mother's Finest, and then oh, we, Mother's Finest, yeah, and then um, you know all sorts of stuff in between. And then uh, I think Kevin saw the niche that we could, you know, those kind of rock gigs were, you know, and carrying big PA and lights and a truck and traveling like we were doing. We didn't really want to do that anymore, so we started playing more uh, the lounge i hate to say lounge but you know we played clubs and lounges around central florida and then occasionally we do an out-of-town gig and we the music started going more towards the uh i hate to say top 40 but yeah you know dance hits I mean, hits guys, and then then became the dance a floor. dance band yes yeah. you know you've quite quite a, a varieties uh, uh in your song list i mean yeah you, it was you huge guys covered a lot yeah, yeah lot to be able you, to do like journey and do it well like, oh, they did. That's not. I mean, I'll, I'll hear somebody Kevin sang great. And... I'll I'll hear you know somebody, especially even Doobie Brothers. Like when they started that off, like my mind goes to, all right, you better hit that note. You know, that's right. <laughs> it's yeah. like it's, it's always no going that back. note. Well, you know, in the in the height of the band, it was a six piece band, and every guy on stage, every person on stage sang. That's a, and, that's a and that's I a was the, by far the worst singer in the band. <laughs> Um, everybody else was a excellent, excellent singer. Well, you truly you guys always had a, a female vocalist too, right? Or was, well, that, was that um, always? Or was that... No, no. We had some rentals back in the day, <laughs> I like to call them. Where, <laughs> where, That's an interesting term. Well, we, 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 um, when we were still in Orlando, we were playing clubs, and um, we had stopped like traveling on the road, and this girl started coming out to see us, and she's still a friend to this day, um, Susie Real, and she um, she said, "Well, this club, there's a big club in Orlando that had been there for years called JJ Whispers of all things. It's a big club, huge, and uh, they were looking to put a band together around her. So what we did is she kind of just she got us in there, and it was like a house gig, and she sang with us, and you know, we did our thing, and then you know, she sang her amount of songs. What kind of stuff was she night. doing? Uh, she was Mariah Carey." Um, you know, heart, yeah. Um, you know that kind of stuff. This was, uh, you know, mid nineties. You know, yeah. 90, 94, 95, right. somewhere in there. You know, um, it was right before we started coming up here to play, or, or you know, it probably went for about a year that we did this gig. I think. What did you think of the music scene on the coast when you came up from Florida? Did you think it was a, a good place to play? Obviously, it was for y'all, but I mean, was it a good place to play, or did you think well, it's kind of slower? I mean, slower pace than where I'm coming from. I mean, you came from Orlando, so uh, no, you know, Orlando, like us, you went all through, always went through these transitions where there were a ton of rock clubs to play, and then there weren't, and you know, then it was like everybody wanted original music, and then that died, and then you know, and the clubs changed, and um, you know, but we had a good thing going around there, but. Let me tell you, when we first came up here and played Treasure Bay, we realized that the money we could make playing here um, and playing casino gigs was head and shoulders above the money we were going to make in Orlando. Orlando really became, if you if you wanted to make money as a musician, you needed to be a, a real corporate band, you know, playing private events and weddings. weddings yeah. Yes, weddings. I mean, 
I, I, I despise playing weddings. I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. I <laughs> well, don't, I'm glad you did because you'll you know, never get another one. Yeah, <laughs> I, and, and, you know, I, I will do them and, and I will smile through it and, and you know, but um, there it's it's no fun for the musician to play a wedding, really. I hate to say it, but it's not. So what you're telling me is you don't like playing YMCA or Brown Eyed Girl? Well, Margarita. you know, I've I've come to terms with all that now. After years of hating <laughs> that <therapist>. stuff. <laughs> no, no, I, I, yeah, I did self-therapy. <laughs> <laughs> I do that a lot. Yeah, I do that a lot. We have another name for it, but that's <laughs> exactly. So I, uh, I will literally, if we're playing uh, Mardi Gras ball or some kind of yeah. you know um, corporate gig, you know, where it's a it's a party, I look at everybody and they say, "Well, what do you want to play?" And I said, "We're going to give them the fucking hits." That's right. <laughs> give them what give they them want. The hits. I mean, I don't care if it's Brown Eyed Girl, Dancing Queen, doesn't matter. Absolutely, give them what they want, and I'll tell you what. It's it's a more gratifying experience to see a bunch of people dancing and having fun. It really than is. I'm going to play New World Man by Rush because I want to. Tonight. Yeah. Oh, th- th- there's definitely that compromise. You know, and that's even in in depending on what club you're playing in or what casino yeah. you're playing or whatever. I mean, there's that compromise as well. That okay, I really want to play this. I think you know more yeah. heady stuff, but there's still the dancing queen. Yeah. People, I, you know. I, I I mean, I played in a band for years that that we did play a bunch of. I mean, we played YYZ, we played Roundabout, we played... Those are great songs. You know, um, Bohemian Rhapsody and a thousand other great songs. And then but then we could play, you know, Brick House and a thousand other funk tunes. Like and a virgin. Never did that. Never oh. played. <laughs> I'll wait till the next wedding. I, I, I might have with Diane Diaz when I did some sitting gigs with her. Can't remember that. Yeah. Now, wasn't she from Florida? No, Diane's really from... She grew up in... She was actually born in Mobile... She grew up in like New Mexico. Then um, when I first went to Vegas or first moved to Vegas, when ISIS started playing at the Bellagio out there in 04, um, she was already playing at the Bellagio and had been there since the place opened. Gotcha. Oh, wow. she, okay. Yeah, she and she had her own band. Vegas. She played in the Fontana Lounge, same lounge. This, this, is, this was Vegas in the day when the, the great, the height is the Fontana Lounge was in the Bellagio and it was this big circular room with a great stage and PA and overlooked the fountains and the lake out in front and everything like that with these big glass windows. It was a stunning room and you had to be seated. You couldn't, there was no standing room. They had to bring you in and seat you. Oh, really? They had a dance floor and people would dance, but people would come in there and just flat out listen. Um, That's a good feeling. Two, two bands a night, seven nights a week. Wow. wow! First band went on at like six p.m. and played till like nine thirty, and then ten o'clock the next band went on and played till like one thirty. We played, we played, and we did that gig for four, almost four solid years, um, and we played two ninety-minute sets. We played ninety, take a half-hour break, play ninety, and we were gone. That's great from our point of view. Yes. Yeah. So so let's go. Let's rewind for a second. So you're on the Gulf Coast. You're playing the casinos. You're playing you know different events. When was that transition of, hey, like who approached you or was it was it the uh, casino saying, hey, we want you to go to Vegas. Like, we want you to take the next step. I'll, I'll walk you through how that happened. So, you know, I said we were at Casino Magic. They they fired us. They let us go. We um, Treasure Bay started throwing us weeks. So we weren't really out of work. Yeah, we knew it was coming. They had to give us notice. So we they they immediately booked as many gigs as they could for us at Treasure Bay in that time. The entertainment director, Dave Hilbert, at the time was at um, the president. He came over, said, hey, we want to offer you all a contract. Somebody always was giving us a contract for like the year. We were signed with somebody. And so Dave came over and he wanted to get this at the president. He offered X money. I don't remember. I don't exactly know what the money was at the time. But I tell you what, the one thing I told Kevin, I said we had to get free golf. <laughs> at, at the at, at the Broadwater, well, yes, and, and and we did it. We had it. I had it. So I played golf free at, at the Broadwater every day. That was in your to. contract. Yes, it was in the contract. Oh, how yes, great is that? it's killer. That's the only thing I asked for. That's the only thing I wanted. Man, I always ask for like free buffets <laughs> or something. Like what the hell? No, they, they gave us that anyway. So so we spent the next year. That was um nine, all of like nineteen ninety nine at the President. Well, during that time, they were building the Beau Rivage. Uh, the entertainment director from the Beau Rivage, they would. They would come down to the coast and do like scouting trips, looking around, seeing what the scene's like and stuff. And so they came out. It was Terry Burden and Anthony Gibson came out and saw us at the president. And they were like all confused because they see these guys in like jeans and like uh, T-shirts and uh, 
you know, playing all sorts of off the charts music, you know, playing dance music, playing rock, you know, doing all sorts of crazy stuff. Um, and they were like, but that's all they kept hearing was our name. They kept hearing the name, hearing the name. So they came out and saw us and then they talked to us and they really weren't quite sure. And then they decided they wanted us, but we were still under our contract. And, um, they hired us to play some, a few private events. In fact, we were the first people to play in the brew pub in the bow. And it was like before the, I don't even think the casino was really open yet. It was like a, uh, dress rehearsal, dry run thing. And we went in there and played one night and it was an off night as I believe. And, um, and then they started giving us some gigs out at the uh, golden nugget in Vegas, even though we weren't playing at the bow yet, but we were get, we knew that that's where we were headed. We just had to play out our president contract. And, um, and we did that, but we did a bunch of weeks at the golden nugget in uh, Las Vegas. And then, 2000 we started full-time at the bow and played 2000 2001 2002 2003 usually i don't know probably 30 something 40 weeks at the brew pub would you there, say that that's now the sports book right would you say that's your heyday as a band the president and going into the bow yeah yeah because you guys own that room i mean the, the brew pub was that was y'all's room i think i remember my sister i knew some of my families but definitely my sister would always say like, what are you going to do tonight? We're, we're going to watch ISIS. And I'm like this kid. I'm like, who's ISIS? And then I'm like digging around and I'm like, oh, wow, this is a yeah. really good band. I mean, you there. guys own that room. Yeah, I remember. There, there, were, there was a line out the door every night. There yeah. were a ton of people. Yeah. Um, and I heard of the brew. I was too young to even know what was in the casino, but I have heard the brew pub because they actually used to brew ISIS beer there. They actually brewed beer. They had the, wow. there was this big glass wall and they had the, they had the big vats and everything and the, the stills back there. Yeah, they didn't have to bring it from the warehouse and, uh, Ice it down like they did at some exactly. other places. Exactly, I know. Oh, God. <laughs> it was Jesus. already there. Yeah, but those were fun days. I mean, all, all those were great. But and then we went to Vegas. And so how did you get into the backline business? And explain what that is for folks who might not know that. Okay, the, if you, the backline is usually what you would call on a stage the line of amps that are behind the musicians. And, but, it, you know, and so it's a backline rental company. So what I do is if a, an artist or band flies in here to play at a casino or a club anywhere around here or a festival. They fly in with just their own personal instruments. I provide the drum kit for them, their bass rigs, guitar amps, keyboards, other instruments, anything that they might need, they can get from me. Um, and um, all the casinos are my clients, and I do the bulk of, I do pretty much 99% of the back line that when the, not every artist needs back line. A lot of guys travel, a lot of, most of the country artists travel with a trailer or a truck or something and have all their own gear with them. Um, but then there's a lot of bands, such as the Commodores and people like that, who always rent back line. I can usually tell you, I can look at the, I can look at who's coming on the calendar and say, I'll be doing that show, I'll be doing that show, because I've already done it 10 times and I already do that show. But, you know, so I, they send me a rider, which is a list of everything that what each player wants. And it does get specific, it can get incredibly specific at times. Um, and it has a listing for each band member and what their needs are all the way down to sometimes drumsticks guitar strings um you know specific instruments always um keyboards drums sizes of cymbals drum heads wow. you name it it's it's that specific so tell us some of the uh some of the major bands or not so much major but popular well-known bands that you have done work for. um it's strange um a, there's not a lot of really super current um, people that because of our market here we tend to have what I call the retro market that comes through the casinos here that's well said that's you know, true I mean and, and there are current people but a lot of these people um, are not putting out new music they're established they're legacy established artists that have been around for a long time um, I've done Tony Bennett I've done Liza Minnelli I've done you know the old people that have been around Tony Bennett amazing and wonderful and his band was stellar bb king i did him every, every time he was oh, wow in time and and one of the saddest things i ever saw was bb king's last gig he did here at the ip that he should have never ever been on stage they oh, walked no. him out there um he 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 would start to play a song and he would forget which song he was playing and or he wouldn't he'd be in the wrong key when the band was playing oh, and then he would start something else 
and it was it was really it was criminal what they were doing to him it really was sad yeah. uh, i mean um and yeah. then i've done people like gavin DeGraw, and um i've helped out people like uh, michael mcdonald and alanis morissette when they've come to town and they've had something a piece of gear go down um you know i do uh, up i just did the commodores um i've got this chrisette michelle girl who's a r&b artist gospel kind of singer she's going to be at the ip in a couple of weeks and i'm doing her show um so you cover a lot of ground I, mean, uh, I did the um, Pensacola Jazz Fest. That's over what I was going to say. You, Labor Day, you not yeah. just on the coast, uh, the Mississippi yeah. coast. You also go to Pensacola, or Mobile, or wherever, yeah. wherever you're needed. Birmingham. You know, I've been to um, Lafayette, Louisiana. I've been to Shreveport. I've been to um, boy. That's probably about as far as we've traveled. I think Birmingham and that that's that pretty, area. Is it is it yeah. you and a team? Is it you and employees? I've got, I've got me and and a, a one guy who really works for me all the time, and then occasionally I'll have other guys. I it needed. I have other guys that I can call and pull from. But that's labor awesome. is always a problem because I don't really, I can't really afford to have a full time employee. Yeah, you know, it's still I'm really a one man show. Yeah, you and just contracting people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, it's contract labor. You know, and, and usually there's hands to load everything in and load out. So my guy is there just saying, hey, grab this and put right, it there and right. put it there. And Be then, careful with that. Yeah, and then he then he sets the stuff up. But yeah, I'm if, if I need to be there, and I used to be, I was always there. Um, now I'm there when I feel like I really should be there or um, we've got two things going on and I'm doing the show. Now, um, what's the name of your company? Uh, Total Backline Services. Oh, okay. I like that. And- question do you i know you do but where do you play at nowadays when it comes to music i play at the ip casino in 32 and i've been there for a year and i'm starting my second year there um right now and uh, what days of the week are you there? i play every friday saturday six to ten that's Very awesome nice. that's good hours right there yeah i, I love it I'm, i mean <laughs> you know doing a solo gig was something um i had never really done um i've never sung that much Never had to sing more than like three or four songs maybe in a night. Um, and then all of a sudden I had to sing 40 or something to that effect. Wow. And um, you must be doing something right. They invited you back for another year. So that's always good. Uh, you to know, know. I, I am. I tell people I'm not my biggest fan. Um, <laughs> but, you know, if they keep hiring me, you know, and people tip me and uh, I, I guess, you know, I mean, I, Pay I, the light I, bill. I, I yeah, I, I guess it's working and I'm, I'm happy for it. Right. And, and I'm actually I can actually listen to myself sing on tape now, which I used to not be able to listen to myself at all. There you go. It's gotten to the go. point where I can actually, you know, listen to myself and go, whoa, that's, that's not half bad, you know? Um, uh, and I, I hated it. I didn't, I was really uncomfortable with it. At I think first. most people first uh, don't like to hear their own voice. I hate no. it. I can't stand it. I think that's uh, Somebody true. play it like thinking that, oh, I just it's don't Jesse. think I'm that entertaining. <laughs> I beg to differ, sir. I'll listen to it. I feel like I sound like a kid. I always sound yeah. like I, I sound You're velvety. We really are. But I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, now, the, 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 just being, I've never been up there by myself. Yeah. Always See, been and, in and, that's all, and that's what I've always that's known. That's what so you've it's, always it's done. It's interesting. That's, yeah. yeah. I, you, Jesse's like a, 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 almost comparable to a, a comedian. Yeah. Because that would be my biggest fear is to be out there. At least I have a guitar to hide behind. Yeah, exactly. I have some kind of prop. Mm -hmm. If you think about it, but to be out there just with your wits and Jesse, you, you're up there singing, but you carry it off well. And it's, well, a I, good use room. My, I use the my, I use my, if you look at my, my microphones, they're always like a jazz mic. They're kind of old style, yeah. kind of yeah. fit. Yeah. Um, but also what's one thing that's always awkward. If you ever watch me on a show is if I'm, uh, if I'm singing and then there's an instrumental break and I just really want to get into it, oh, I look yeah. behind me and I'm like, Oh, wait, it's just me. <laughs> so I'm just like sitting up there snapping. Right. And it's, a yeah. long, it's a long one, but hey. Well, you, you know. could tap dance. You could I do, could do you know, you know. Charleston yeah. or something <laughs> might help, you know, depending on how old the song is. Scott, when you do work with others, who do you, besides me, which we have in the past, which has always been fun, but not so much lately, um, who else do you play with or who do you have come on board that might sing with you? Um, uh, I have a big Mardi Gras band that, um, unfortunately has only done like one gig a year. We were playing the Le Cavaliers ball, um, on the 11th of February and it's called the Carnival Kings and it's a 10 piece band. Wow. Um, yeah, it's, and it's, this is the third year in a row, not, not counting the years we missed with COVID, but the last three 
This will be the third Le Cavaliers ball in a row that we have played. You have horns? Or? Yes, we have a three-piece horn section that's killer. Um, sax, trumpet, trombone, I think. And then me on guitar, Brennan Roybal playing bass, Troy Leupold, who played in Trigger Proof for years, playing uh, drums. Um, Cedric Brooks, who's played with Isis and a whole slew of people from Mobile, uh, playing keys. And then Eric Knight, who used to play in um, at the Fat Cats in this band, which I'm spacing on the name, in New Orleans for years. Eric is a fantastic frontman rock singer who can sing almost anything. And then Tiffany's going to actually do this oh, gig. Great. She did the first one, and she's doing this one again. And we're going to go with uh, two singers. So normally we've had three singers up front. Um, two male and one female, uh, but this time we're just going to do one, uh, a girl and a guy. Tiffany's a wonderful singer and a good yeah. person. Um, Absolutely. Her last name? Tiffany Jones. There you go. Yep. Sounds like a uh, she was the, the, sounds like a 70s movie. She was the ISIS, movie. the real first ISIS female vocalist who yes. joined the band that we hired in middle of 2000, I think, yes. or late 2000. Yeah. Uh, fall is she moved back here from Nashville. Uh, she grew up here, and we happened to be looking for a girl, and she came in and sang. And um, there were several girls. It came down to her and another one, um, and uh, Tiffany ended up winning the gig, even though she was the greener of the two. And boy, but she learned quick. She got great she stage did. presence. She did. She learned quick. And a good, good singer. Yeah, she, she figured it out really quickly. And uh, one thing I will say that, um, especially when you're a solo artist, when you're, if if you look like you're having a good time and you look confident about what you're doing, people are going to believe in that's you a right. hell of a lot True. more. This is my favorite. This is my favorite. It's like because it happens, um, you're singing a song and all of a sudden your mind goes blank. It's I mean it's going to happen. Um, if you stop singing, people are going to notice. But if you just make up something to try to get back on that horse, it's business as usual. Yep. You should hear me scat. <laughs> well, there you go. Sometimes scat. Like, -bop -bop. See, <laughs> Ella Fitzgerald used to forget words all the time. Exactly. They invented scat. <laughs> but anyway, okay, one more question. Uh, are, do you write music? Do you, uh, I know yeah. you've recorded tracks for, for yourself, and I've heard them, and they're excellent, but ever think about putting something out or is that something in the realm of thing with your busy schedule? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm terrible about this. I've, I've had a, an original band since probably 1989, um, that really did well in Orlando. And we opened a lot of shows for guitar players. We opened for Eric Johnson. We opened for Steve yeah. I, we opened for the Dixie Dregs. We opened the Steve Morse band. We opened for Yngwie Malmsteen. Um, and it was an instrumental fusion band where it was, and I wrote all the music. And we played covers, too, that were instrumental. We did Jeff Beck, and we'd do Eric Johnson tunes, and yeah. we'd do uh, Frank Gambale tunes, and Borelli Legreen, and all sorts of different people. Heavy hitters. Yeah, it, it was, a, and, you know, we had a sax player and, you know, keys, bass, guitar, drums. Was that the sax player from Hollow Notes Band? Yes. Charlie? Charlie Duchant. Yes. Charlie's a great guy. He's been, he's been with Hollow Notes for, like, 30-something yeah. years. Man. He's on all the videos, all the yeah. Maneater and all the, the, mm -hmm. the big MTV videos. Yeah, and he... Um, he's a friend of my buddy, Bill Gifford, who is playing bass, who plays bass in my band League of Nations, which is the, this project that I've had ongoing for, you know, since 1989. Right. And, uh, I've recorded these songs and changed them and, um, and I've just never finished it off. I've never got it mixed to where I wanted to. I've never gotten to finish the songs quite where I wanted them. Um, some of them are, some of them are really completed and some of them are, I've got the raw tracks and haven't been mixed or I need to add a guitar solo or I'm not happy with this. And, you know, the more you listen to it over time, then you start going, uh, maybe I want to do that over and, you know, uh, maybe I don't like that now or, you know, and then you start hearing all the flaws and I'm terrible about that because all I hear is mistakes. <laughs> all I hear is mistakes. You know, and, and it's nice when, when you do separate yourself from a while and you come back and listen to it and with fresh ears, you usually go, oh, no, that's really not bad. It, yeah. it, it is okay. You're, you're well, everybody's your own their worst own worst critic. critic. Exactly. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I hope that comes to fruition for you. I hope that you. Yeah, uh, I want to. I, I want to start like to hear it. being creative and stuff. And I'm finally getting my studio behind the house, um, less storage room, because we don't have any closets in our house. And you know, <laughs> and, you know the issues I have with, with closet space. Um, and your wife. I yeah, know yeah, her exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She doesn't have any issues with I love closet you, space, but I do. Because I, yep. I don't have any. But uh, yeah, so now I have the studio set up and I, I bought a new interface and, Good. you know, the room is set up now um, where I, I want it to where I can actually come out there and go, hey, turn everything on and I'm ready to go. Right. I can do that kind of stuff. When the muse touches you and you're yeah, ready to go. Yeah, you, know, um, you know, I should have written a whole symphony over COVID, but you know what? It was so depressing. Um, I did do a little bit, you know, I, I played guitar, but... Um, you know, uh, I I didn't do anything creative. Nothing. That surprises me. Um, uh, I don't I don't know why. Were you depressed? I mean, uh, um, not, not not in the clinical sense, but were you kind of like just like I, I we was have no I gigs, was nervous. Have, yeah. You know, because basically every single every single thing I do is entertainment based, and all of a sudden there was no entertainment. Right. So you know, after sitting around for about a year, and with almost zero income, you know, any I, I mean. I couldn't do enough gigs at the time because I was probably only playing, um, you know, four or five nights a, a month and, you know, m making a buck 50 a night doing duos. I mean, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, that's not, I can't go to the grocery store on that. No. You know, so. Especially uh, with inflation. God, yes. Yeah. I mean, so, so it was, it was terrible after a while, you know, you start thinking, you know, man, how long is this going to go on? Oh, yes. What am I going to do? I can't keep burning all every penny I have you know, that I've saved and, yeah. um, you yeah. know, I've got nothing coming in. Yeah. You know, everything's going out. I got nothing coming in, man. I got to do something. So many know. people had hardships with all of that. Uh, uh, but I don't think people, um, and, and it's not their place to have to worry about it or think about it, but everybody worries about their families and them themselves. But, you know, entertainers or musicians, especially, well, that's what I know. Um, that was really tough. I mean, that was like, cause we're all sitting, like you're saying, going, what are we going to do? That was, you know, that's the, the real reason why I got into the backline business was because it, it was something I knew there was no one here doing it. There was a niche that I happened to see and identify and Smart go, man. I need to do this. And I went out and sold myself to everybody and I didn't own one piece of gear. Make it till you make it, baby. Hey, you know, th these, but l luckily the people, the entertainment people that I knew because they, they knew me as a dependable, dependable, trustworthy person Yeah, who I'm not going to bullshit you and I'm not going to lie to you and I'm not going to screw you over. It, you know, I'll give you, it'll be yes or no. And I'll tell you why. And, and, you know, I'm happy to help anybody out, you know, um, but I wanted something that wasn't, I used to say this all the time. I don't want to be 50 years old going to the club to play Brick House because I got to. I'm, I'm the same way. Now, I still go to the club and play Brick House, and I'm, I'm 57. But, um, you know, now it's because, you know, it's, it's a specific gig and there's a reason for playing it. But I wanted something else that could be a business that didn't resolve about me, me going out there and having right. to hunt for gigs and playing. Because I think the three of us are actually pretty blessed and that we we all have pretty steady gigs. Extremely blessed, yes. But you know how it is, and I uh, I know yeah. how it is mm -hmm. that when all of a sudden you're if we were out there and didn't have the house gig or whatever like that, and I was trying to really survive on playing, I tell people I would either have to move or I would have to be scrambling and trying to play seven nights a week somewhere, anywhere to try and make uh, a living if right. if that's what I was going to try and do. Right. The days of when I played in ISIS and I played five nights a week, every single week of the year practically, and then did doubles and did huge one-nighters and stuff, you know. And, I mean, we got flown on private jets to do gigs and stuff, I mean, all over the United States, and we made a lot of money. Um, you know, those days are not there anymore. No. Yeah. In, unless you're in one of these, there's there are these corporate bands out there that are getting paid. Some of them get flown in for Mardi Gras, uh, Simply Irresistible, Bag and, of donuts. Um, um, Molly yeah. Ringwalls. Molly yeah, Ringwalls. Yeah, these bands are making you know thirty grand a night. Yeah. And 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 they're playing every my I I know the buddies and I have two guys that I know in the band Simply Irresistible that's out of Atlanta and they come down here and play Revelers and they get paid like thirty grand 
And I asked the drummer one time, I'm so like, I'm like, how many gigs do y'all do a month? And he goes, man, we're booked every weekend and usually at least another night Holy every smokes. week. Sounds like Jesse Hill. Shit. <laughs> you know, and, 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 you know, they're, they're making 30 grand probably at a minimum on some of these gigs. I mean, they, they played some stupid parties and wow. stupid gigs. I mean, and they're playing all the time. Well, I, I, they're, I, they're extremely good. They, they are. I they would really imagine are. them to be. You know, I've got a, a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, Gary Smith, who um, was into uh, uh, was working for PepsiCo, and he ended up um, going for the with his company back in the '90s. They were, unbeknownst to him, were about to hit this little company called Red Bull, and he's from uh, Goshen. Yeah. And he yeah. became like the number three guy. So he was telling me at one point, and this is only tying in with what you're talking about, corporate gigs, that, uh, and I don't think he'd mind me telling this story, He's, he, that they would have the, the higher-ups, the, 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 the bigger wigs of the company, because it was hitting. I mean, it just like, boom, Red Bull was here. And they had their annual meeting meeting in Hawaii. And he said, Hank, you won't believe the money that's out there in the corporate world. I mean, that, that you can't fathom it. And he put it in terms that I could understand. He said that, well, on um, Thursday night, we had a cocktail party. There's, and, and we're talking about like maybe 40, 50 people. And they had Natalie Cole and a piano player. That's their cocktail party. God. Friday night, they had the Eagles play for 50 people. <laughs> and then Saturday night, the headliner came on. The Stones. <laughs> it's like the Rolling Stones. They're paying. You know, the bill must have been incredible. But that was the band for the weekend. That's what this weekend's entertainment for your uh, um, our, our getaway. We <laughs> we actually we played a gig like that. Really? Um, Kevin had gone to high school with this girl, um, and she worked for this pharmaceutical company. And this pharmaceutical company got bought by Bear. Uh, bear aspirin right bear, right everything, you know the conglomerate mm -hmm. and to celebrate the the buyout they um the company booked the ritz carlton in south beach florida oh my god for the entire week wow all the employees and then they flew us into play and the night that we played we played and hootie and the blowfish played after us wow the next night it was some big comedian and some other band i can't remember who it was and um, that was the weekend entertainment at South Beach. And it was the, we all had our own rooms. And it was like, um, just put it on room service. We'll take care of the tab. Don't worry about it. Order whatever you want. Dom Perignon and a good. cheeseburger. Yeah, exactly. Right. It was that kind of a shot of well, Louis XIV. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah. There was a, I, I saw a clip. Uh, I'm just watching it, thinking about what we're talking about now. It was Sting playing some party. And he's on a flatbed truck, and you can see the the road behind him. The cars. Have you seen that? I haven't seen the, the that. The cars no, are but... going, and he's doing every breath you take, and he's doing all. And it's like Sting, and there's people mulling around, and just like, oh, well, there's Sting up there, like he's like us. He <laughs> um, it's like wow. My my friend John Wiedemeyer, who is a brilliant guitar player, I met player, him. I met him. Yeah, in and, Vegas, and lives in Vegas. Um, John has a friend who is Lyle Workman, who has done soundtrack work he did the soundtrack to um super bad and mm -hmm. all those judd apatow movies he oh, did wow. the, lyle lyle has done it is a brilliant guitar player brilliant musician and um lyle did a short stint with sting playing guitar really and his first Pre dominic miller or no it was it was during the dominic miller era but i can tell you and you can find the video the first one was the the second live eight thing that they yeah, did yeah. That was Lyle's first gig with Sting. Was that? Was that? Wow! And he didn't play wow. a bunch of gigs with him, but anyway, Sting did a private gig in Vegas for somebody at a in a ballroom somewhere. One because we we knew that Sting was at this burlesque sh show or burlesque club after the after the gig, and John was going to hang out with him and Lyle and them or something like that. And they, uh, you know, it was. It, they, there's lots of those that go on that people don't know that's about. right somewhere in a ballroom in a casino mm -hmm. somebody the who is playing or somebody yeah. like that is playing for some private event for some corporation we did another one not that this one was nearly as big it was us and wayne newton and it was an oil company and he would bring in like the 50 top employees for the weekend it was at the venetian but yeah but we all got our own room at the venetian and a room at the venetian was like a suite and 
he gave the gift for the couples. It was couples only. You know, it was your your significant other right. and you. Each guy got a tag watch. Really? And each woman got a string of Mikamoto pearls. That was their gift for the gift. coming to the party for the corporate celebration that year. You know, and I forget what it had been the year before. It was something else stupid. I That's mean, it was incredible. Ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, it was money, 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 money. Plenty yeah. of it. Well, hey, before we wrap it up, I'm going to ask you this, and I'm not calling you old or anything, but when, as younger mus- musicians come forth, whether it's locally on the Mississippi Gulf Coast or just in the nation itself, if you can give them one word, one sentence of, an, of advice, because you've been there and you've done that, what would that be? Um, I think the, you know, these days, you know, be prepared, have your, have your stuff together, know your gig, um, be on time, uh, show up, play, be punctual, um, act like you want to be there. Um, I've, I've played gigs where a guy will go to me, oh man, there's nobody here. Um, let's play a couple more and quit. And I'm like, we're, we're booked till 11, dude. It's, it's 10 o'clock. Oh, it doesn't matter. There's nobody here. And then the crowd does come in. And, and I'm like, man, no, we're here to do the gig. They they right. hired us to play. We're right. here to do it. I mean, I, I, that kind of thing doesn't even run through my mind. Yeah. You know, now if there was no one in there, you know, yeah, after a couple sets, I might go and say, hey, you know, what do you want? You know, you want to, you know, you want me to keep playing? You want me to hang? You want to, you know, uh, you know, give me a discount for the night and I'll leave now or something like that, you know, but I don't even think I've ever really done that. You know, now I've had club owners come to me and say, hey, we're just going to knock off early because there's nobody here, you know, but they didn't cut my pay or anything like that. But, you know, have your have your shit together, you know, um, know what you're trying to do and be prepared and and be be, uh, you know, be rehearsed, be on time, be punctual, you know, um, show up and do the gig the way you should do it, um, I think is the most important thing and be professional. Um, and I, I see a a lot of people who aren't sadly sometimes you know well i like that word of advice especially when you say be on time and and, and that's good be, it's the easiest thing in the there. world to do is just yeah. to show up to be on time and and a, a, a great friend of mine a brilliant drummer his his line and i don't know where the line came from but he used to say it if you're early you're on time if you're on time you're late yep if you're late you're fired love it that's pretty good i love it that's a good thing to live by yeah. Well, make sure. Uh, thank you for joining us, Scott Henson. And Absolutely. Hey, uh, it's it's been a pleasure to be here, and thanks for y'all thinking of me and having me. And of course, uh, honored to be the first. The yes, first. yes, you are. Yes. Yes. He broke yes. the first edition. We have to right. We'll made. have to find something to give him. Can we give him something? Maybe the microphone or just a. I'll find something. Maybe something a neon lighter. <laughs> Pat on the back. Pat on the back. That's probably uh, two hey, of them. How about we'll take? <laughs> hey, now we will uh, starting in January. I do have a video uh, switcher, so we're going to be moving to video. So we'll have Scott back. Oh, cool. On. That'd be Absolutely. great. And we'll actually have it lit up good and stuff. I know this yeah. is just audio, but be sure to check out Scott Henson six to ten at thirty two on top yes. of the IP. Uh, Fridays and Saturdays and support local musicians and once again I'm Jesse Hill and I'm Hank Berman and thank you Scott Henson thank you Scott thanks y'all